G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You might have noticed that the internet today is looking different to the way that it did a decade ago. Times are changing quickly. We might be asking, how is the web changing? And where is it going to next? Well, for Christians, an important question will be, what sort of computer power and innovation will we need to actively and biblically shape the next generation? Our early internet experience, sometimes described as Web 1.0, was basic, sharing a lot of information. Our present experience of the internet, or Web 2.0, sometimes described as interactive and tied up lots with social media. And what is ahead as the digital world moves to blockchains with cryptocurrency, decentralized networks, token-based economies, peer-to-peer servers, and decentralized finance. Well, our conversation today asks, what will Web 3.0 look like for churches and for the shaping of the next generation? Two special guests who are preparing to speak at the upcoming Imminent Leadership Summit in Sydney next week on the 14th of July. Nils Smith is a chief digital strategist and social media and uh, into innovation for Dunham and Company. He's the founder of Amplify Social Media and author of The Social Media Guide and Crypto for Good. And Dave Adamson, known as Aussie Dave, is a digital strategist, author and speaker. He was one of the first online pastors in the world almost a decade ago. He's the author of Meta Church, How to Use Digital Ministry to Reach People and Make Disciples. To Nils, first of all, welcome along to 2020. Thank you. So honored to be here. And Dave Adamson, welcome along to you. Hey, Neil. Thanks so much for having us. Let me start with you, Nils. Sometimes the church is described as dragged, kicking and screaming into new technologies, sometimes behind the game. Are we ready for the innovation changes that are upon us with Web 3.0? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I think ready, um, you know, I think has has a lot of different uh perspectives uh, that can come with it of, of whether uh, we're functionally ready uh, or, or whether we're even uh, mindset ready. Um, and, and I think the reality is, is we don't know what Web 3 really entails, as we didn't know when Web 2 was developing, where it was all going to go. We couldn't have dreamed of TikTok, you know, 10 years ago um, and, and what would happen. Um, and, and so things are, you know, the, the Internet is changing, uh, but but in some ways we don't know where it's going. But But I think what we uh, what we can learn, uh, especially from a, a being ready standpoint, is that that taking a defensive stance 
um, puts us behind, you know, the, the innovation that's happening. And so I, I think ready, uh, at this point ha- has more to do with mindset than it does to do with organizationally or structurally. And, and so I, I do think, uh, from the ministry leaders, um, that I, that I talked to that, that, that ministries are, are, are more prepared. I think, especially the pandemic, you know, those that were prepared technologically, uh, to, to do, to use zoom or to, to live stream, uh, their church services, uh, you know, they were, they were more prepared for, for where the world changed so fast. And, and so I think as we prepare for web three, uh, ministries, I think, see more opportunity in technology than they have in the past where they were defensive and resistant. I think they're more open. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, I think time will tell, uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, how, how ministries approach, uh, the, these new technology innovations. Dave Adamson, a defensive, uh, or on the front foot being proactive. You are one of the online digital pastor pioneers in this space Uh, what are you feeling about where churches are at no doubt there's some on the front foot and there's lots being defensive what are your thoughts yeah great question neil and and look i would have to say this you know especially as an australian um my my background in in church online and, and online ministry digital ministry was in the u.s where you know, I became an online pastor in 2008 when we were just out of dial-up internet. And I've come back to Australia in the past 18 months. And Neil, I want to be super honest and super candid with you and your audience. I've been really frustrated with how behind Australian churches are when it comes to leveraging technology, when it comes to leveraging digital platforms to uh, preach the gospel and and to go into all the world. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we have a lot of catch up to do when it comes to being innovative. There seems to be this fear of innovation in Australian churches. And I want to do everything I can to get through that and help us uh, improve in that area. But, But for me, it comes back down to, you know, we have to get back to this innovative spirit that the Apostle Paul had. The, the Apostle Paul used the technology of his day to reach people who are far away from him digitally and, and even far away from God uh, spiritually. Now, the technology of his day was letter writing. And for all of uh, the people listening, all the people in your audience, Neil, who are under the age of 30, letter writing is when you take a pen and you press it down onto paper and you move your wrist around to form letters. He used that technology to build church communities. Yet I feel like in a lot of ways, as church leaders, we have taken uh, the, uh, a step backwards. We've lost that innovative spirit. If Paul thought like a lot of churches, uh, a lot of church leaders that I talk to in Australia, that the only way to, dis- to disciple somebody or to, to spread the gospel is to have somebody physically present with you in the moment that you're preaching it, then if Paul had thought like that, then at least 13 books of the New Testament wouldn't have been written. And we need to go back to that innovative spirit, whether it's on Web 2.0 or Web 3.0 or whatever. We just need to have that innovative spirit and get it back. Well, let's take that as a real critique of where Australia is at. Australian churches, Australian Christian leaders, we are behind. We have catch-up to do. Nils, let's talk about some of this terminology that will be so new for a lot of people listening to us. Uh, Web 1, Web 2, Web 3. I gave a very brief overview in my introduction and I'm by no means an expert. So now that I've got you as experts on our conversation today, how do you describe the development that's happened from Web 1, Web 2 and Web 3? 
Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and, and I I think looking back is is in many ways the best way to prepare us for the future. And I, and I think we can all look back to to when we first had access to the internet, uh, especially those of us that are maybe over forty when when we had no internet to when we first had that dial up internet experience and we we got on the world wide web and and we had access to the information superhighway and so we had the you know the technology innovation of dial up internet and, you know, home personal computers. Uh, and that gave us access to information like we never had before. And then web two, it, it was a process, you know, of web 1.1, web 1.2, where it just kept progressing and developing to where then mobile technology, you know, came around and social media and e-commerce. Uh, and it was a combination of high speed internet and mobile devices uh, that became better, faster, more accessible that that really brought web 2 to us but but the reality is is as we look at web 1 and web 2 web 1 didn't go away you know email still a very big part of our strategies and and tools that we use on the internet and websites are foundational if, if you don't have a website you almost don't exist uh, today and so it's an addition it's an expansion it is a, a progression of the internet and so as we look at web 3 uh, i believe it's just continued uh innovation that a development that's happening that web one will continue to exist web two uh will continue to exist but web three as i see it uh but but i think it's still being developed we didn't know when when web two was developing where this was all going to go but but we see you know hardware just like we saw the hardware of mobile devices we see now the hardware of virtual reality glasses um and, and wearable technologies that that are that are in, integrating into our lives um even more significantly and even things like a you know voice technologies with alexa and google home uh, and, and then you look at the internet and, and what's happening with things like uh, Star, Starlink and uh, what Elon Musk is doing, bringing high-speed internet globally. Uh, you look at language translation software. So, so you see basically this technology innovation that that at the end of the day, all it's providing is new opportunities. And so I think that's the exciting part of Web3 is that that it's now introducing new opportunities. And so what what the hardware and the speed of internet brought is really what introduced the possibilities of web two, which then became e-commerce, which then became social media with web three. It's, it's really what we now create with the new opportunities of virtual reality and global high-speed internet and trade translation technologies. And so I, I think where it go goes is up to us. Uh, but, but what's developing is, you know, and, and I, and I would say the, the decentralization of peer to peer. And I, you know, I think you get into the weeds of how the internet works. I think most of us still don't know how the internet works. We just know we get on our phone and we access it. And I, and I think that's, what's important to understand, but it's, it's going to get faster, more accessible. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, more powerful. Dave, let me ask you about venturing into the unknown. If we're speculating about what these changes might appear to be now and things that will begin to develop over the times ahead, sometimes we think of our Christian faith as being less powerful than we ought. Uh, the inspiration of God and the power to innovate, what ought Christian believers who are uh, who are a little bit uh, ahead of the game in this tech space, what ought we be waiting on God for? Any thoughts here on our spirituality with all of this? 
Yeah, man. So, so I think one of the first things we need to remember, if I'm thinking from a spiritual point of view specifically here, Neil, it would be, you know, a lot of Christian leaders go into this digital space, this innovation space, this technology space with almost a sense of fear. And we need to recognize that, you know, Scripture tells us that we, we don't have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of, of having a sound mind and of might and of power. And if we go into it with a sound mind, and by that I mean with a strategy to leverage the sort of technology that Nils has been talking about, and even to leverage the technology that we've still got today in Web 2.0, whether that's TikTok or Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, we actually have more opportunity than we've ever had before to reach more people. I think what we do, though, is one of two things. During the pandemic, we were all fast-tracked into um, you know, live streaming our services. In fact, the, the COVID pandemic with the lockdown of buildings, especially at churches in Melbourne where the lockdown was so prevalent, what, it, what that did was it forced live stream into the, to become mainstream. So live stream of churches became mainstream because that was really all we could do. But what I've seen as, as I talk to church leaders, Neil, constantly around, around Australia, it's that a lot of church leaders saw that online venture that they had to take into live streaming their services as, as kind of like a short-term mission trip that they had to go on because they had no other options. And now as they're stepping back into their buildings, they're actually stepping back into time and trying to do things the way that they used to do them. Whereas what I think we need to be doing is approaching these um, these new technologies in the same way that you read about in in the book of Genesis, for example, when you learn that Isaac, um, you know, he inherited all of these wells from his fa- father Abraham, but the enemy would come and fill up those wells. Well, in a lot of ways, we're like Isaac, and COVID filled up our wells, and we couldn't go back to that well anymore. But rather than complain, rather than being scared about it, what we read in the scripture is that Isaac just went and dug new wells so that he could tap back into the source of living water. That's how I see all of this new technology. It's an opportunity for us as Christian leaders to be innovative and dig new wells that tap straight back into the source of living water and allow us to leverage this technology to reach the people who live within driving distance of our buildings. I think too often, when we hear somebody like Nils, who's an expert in this, talk about Web 3.0, a lot of Christian leaders think, well, I haven't even got Web 2.0 sorted, so I don't know if I'm even going to tip my toe into the water of Web 3.0. I've got to get Web 2.0 done first. But, but if we can start to adopt a mentality of leveraging the internet, not as a broadcast medium, but as a narrow cast medium, what that does is it shifts our thinking because we're not streaming our services. We're not producing content. We're not putting videos up on YouTube. We're not putting social media posts out in order to reach all of Australia or all of the world. What if our process was, we're going to leverage this technology simply to reach the people who live within driving distance of our church building. Unfortunately, Neil, we've been told that content is king on social media and content is king online, but it's not. Context is king. So if churches leverage this technology for the sole purpose of reaching the people who live within a, I don't know, a 10 kilometer radius or a 15 kilometer radius of their church building, that will shift the game and it will change the way they think about Web 2.0 or Web 3.0 or any technology that's coming down the pipeline. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. 
1-800-316-316. If you have a question or a comment for our conversation today, two special guests, Nils Smith and Dave Adamson, digital strategy experts, and we're talking about the future of the church, the future of the gospel in Australia around the new technologies that are being innovated right now as we speak. Nils, let me come to you here because in my introduction a little earlier, I mentioned a lot of terminology for a lot of listeners. We're just catching on to some of these things. Blockchains, cryptocurrency, decentralized networks, token-based economies, peer-to-peer servers and decentralized finance. These sorts of things, they take a little bit to get our heads around. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot there. Um, and, and I think it's... Uh, and it and it takes you know I, I think it takes time to to understand them things like today when when we think about algorithms on social media or or we think about even what does it mean to post or comment or or even navigating a platform like Instagram or TikTok um, and 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 so we 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 steadily as we move into the internet uh, more and more and it, it, you think about Zoom uh, how how Zoom became a um, a tool that people began to use during the pandemic more significantly. And now we know about our background. We know about muting ourselves and we know about, you know, uh, positioning our video, uh, with, within a Zoom call. Uh, things like cryptocurrency are, are going to become um, a more part of our regular lives in the future. And so cryptocurrency is, you know, maybe even a term to understand is basically digital money that only exists digitally. Um, and so it is transacted on the blockchain and uh but but i think even how how things happen you know when we buy things on amazon we don't necessarily know how that works uh but but we just know that we buy it and it shows up on our door and and so essentially the way cryptocurrency works is we have a digital wallet and it's almost like getting starbucks points um, and, uh, and then you can use those as, as currency to buy coffee. Uh, but, but I think, and I know Starbucks isn't, isn't as popular here in Australia as it is in America, but, but I think you can just see it as, as different digital currencies that are being created on the internet. And as more and more of our lives are being digitized or digital aspects of what we buy and order and watch, uh, is happening online. Money, uh, is moving online. And so I think, you know, what, what I'm seeing more and more, and it, and it is a slow process, is and, and I think where organizations start or ministry start is by just accepting cryptocurrency donations. Um, as more and more people are adopting cryptocurrency as a as a regular form of money, uh, I, I think organizations need to adopt and be ready. Um, and and I think we saw this in as we look at Web 2.0 when when e-commerce came to the internet, so did online donations and how many churches and ministries were slow to accept online donations because. There was fear of credit cards. There was fear of security, um, and and I think similar uh, aspects of adoption is, are happening with crypto donations. Um, and, and then I think as we get into you know other other things like decentralized finance, uh, the the I, I think what what we look to um, is is maybe not need, need to look at the the form of how it works uh, or, or even the function, but understanding how it works so that we can le- tap into it. And so decentralized finance is taking out middlemen. Um, and so as you think about the transferring of money, we use we use wires now. We, we have to you know send things through you know different companies uh, that will help help us transact and then they take a percentage. Well cryptocurrency or, or decentralized finance allows us to transact money with each other digitally uh, without the middleman. 
Um, and, and I think this is where I get really excited about, um, you know, the, the decentralization of the internet is right now we, we have so much that's centralized by, by organizations like Meta or, you know, as we know, Facebook and Instagram, uh, or Google, uh, or, or Amazon. And so you take uh, you you take some of those middlemen out, and, and you allow kind of peer to peer or person to person transactions. And I think there's tremendous opportunities. And I think we saw here in Australia, you know, when Facebook basically just shut down uh, for a season, and there was no no control over that. And so I get really excited about uh, what what really what what digital ownership looks like for the individual, and I think what that looks like uh, for organizations and ministries as well. A lot of potential opportunities ahead of us. Dave, are people already giving cryptocurrency in online churches? Uh, does this happen already? Uh, are there people who like, uh, you know, we, we often will hear about, you know, someone who's a Bitcoin millionaire. Uh, are they people who are Christians uh, financing the kingdom? Is this something of a possibility for the future? Oh, 100%. It's already happening. We we know that even in Australia, you know, this has been happening, I feel like a little bit more uh, for a little bit longer in the US for sure. But I know many, many churches in Australia that accept cryptocurrency as as tithes. Um, and that we've, you know, this is just an extension, a full on extension of what Niels was talking about before about just this whole process of online giving, you go to any church right now, and they will, um, you know, take uh, direct debits, uh, they'll take you know any sort of giving app whether it's pay paypal or tithely or or you know you you name it they do it this is just the next iteration of that it is already happening and this is why it's it's incumbent upon us as church leaders to be aware of this sort of technology and we don't maybe we don't need to have uh, the sort of knowledge, the sort of specific niche knowledge that Nils has, but we need to be aware of it so that we can start leveraging it to, to preach the gospel. You know, every time I hear Nils talk about this sort of stuff, Neil, the thing that I think about is, you know, the great Christian revivalist Charles Finney. He once said that every preacher needs to have the Bible in one hand and the map of the human mind in the other, because in his mind, we should have a good theological understanding, but also know how to reach humans. And that's more true today than it was way back then when he said it. We need to be able to preach the, the good news, yes, but we also need to understand new mediums of communication in order to do that and to get people involved in our churches. And one of the ways we get people involved in our churches is to encourage them to have a plan to financially support their local church. And if we can do that through things like cryptocurrency and NFTs and, and, and blockchain and all of that, then that's just another great way for us to get people involved in our church communities. Nils and Dave, let me, before we go any further, uh, bring a listener on. Uh, Mel is in Queensland. Mel, thanks so much for waiting so patiently. Do you have a question for our guests? Uh, yes, good morning, gentlemen. Look, certainly um, digital devices, digital platforms, um, there's a lot of benefits. But what I'm seeing is there's uh, less discussion, uh, less resources and training and support within church communities around safety online, safety around using the different platforms, um, safety in terms of you know, protecting your identity, protecting your donation or your ties. I feel that is the missing um, piece um, in this uh, jigsaw. And, uh, yeah, I would just encourage more um, safety and education and training in that respect. Mel, great insight. Nils, have you got a response for Mel? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, so often what's happened in, in innovation is that that technologies are are improving. They're learning from the the flaws of what what is and and solving those. And I think that's part of the exciting part of Web three is that so much of Web three that that is developing in blockchain technology is data ownership. And I, and I think this is what we see in centralization with Facebook and with Google is they are basically using our data um, and owning our data and selling our data. Um, and, and I think simultaneously, we're also learning best practices personally of securing our passwords and uh, just better, you know, how, how to use the internet better and how to turn off even people being able to track us uh, in different ways. But Web3, I think, is going to create more uh, ability to control uh, our own internet privacy. Uh, I think it's also going to give us the control of what data we share with who, because in many ways, giving data to some of these companies makes our lives better. They, they feed us content that, that is more relevant to us. They, they do things that are beneficial, but but they also can be abusive with it. And, and so I think it's both a personal knowledge that, that we each individually gain, uh, while, while it's also uh, just a, a structural change, uh, which is bas- really giving more control to the the user, and I think it's creating more uh, control for the smaller organizations um, and, and less that centralization to the three or four large mega companies uh, that, that seem to control the internet. Mel, thanks for great input into our conversation today. Our talkback line is open on one 316 You might have a question. You might have a comment. Dave, let me come to you. Uh, our online data, not always secure, as we've been hearing there, and Mel's suggestion that churches need to be involved in how we keep secure in this online space. But it goes to further issues than that. Uh, freedom of speech under pressure from authoritarianism, even governments having power to disrupt and intrude on our privacy. What are your thoughts for what's been uh, the, the norm for us right now? Yeah, I think Mel brings up a great point. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of churches, um, you know, we, we focus on um, how we're leveraging this information for ourselves, uh, sorry, how we're leveraging this technology for ourselves to get our own message out. When one of the things we need to do is we need to, you know, scripture tells us that as church leaders, we have to equip the saints for the good work. And part of equipping the saints in the modern world is talking with, with the people in our churches about things like data and technology and how we can secure those, uh, those areas of our lives, you know, more than ever. And, and this is the thing, Nils, it's, uh, and Neil, it's not like technology is going to go away and we're all going to suddenly start not using our cell phones or our iPads or our, you know, whatever it might be. We're going to, continue to use them more and more and as church leaders we need to be equipping people to to survive in this world and thrive in this world you know there are churches out there at the moment and you know these are things that i've been part of where you know i go in and do a one day uh parenting through technology or parenting in the technological era um seminar or course and the idea of that is how to protect your family from these sorts of things how to make sure that your kids are equipped to uh, not have their data misused so and keeping themselves um, you know as anonymous as possible from an online point of view Nils is 100% right there are so many good things that come 
us having some shared data online, but there are also there's also a downside of it. I don't think we need to be scared of it. I think we need to be uh, trained. I think we need to be coached and mentored to be able to leverage the best of it. Um, that's what I would be saying. And and as parents, you know, I take this on as my own responsibility for my own kids. I've got three teenage daughters, and all along, I've taught them the value of protecting their own information, protecting their email address, pr- protecting and hiding their location turning off uh, the location on their photos on their smartphone so that they're not broadcasting their location to everybody. Like these are little fundamental things that I've been teaching my girls and and when given the opportunity, I love to teach that sort of thing to churches and parents in in churches because I want to eradicate that fear, that, that concern that Mal brought up so well. Nils, change means owning your own data. Uh, When we're talking about being decentralized, some have got concerns, of course, that centralization now just morphs a little and there's more centralization to come. But what does this mean to own your own data? Is that going to be something possible for us into the future? Absolutely. And I I think decentralization doesn't necessarily mean that that centralization is going to go away. There, there, there are some things that that are better uh, and more efficient because of centralization. But, uh, but I think the the opportunities of decentralization uh, at, create those opportunities for greater privacy, uh, for greater efficiency. In some ways, what what the challenge often is is it's more complexity too. And so the, the, the value of centralization is it's simple uh, when all you use is Google, you know, and use Google for everything or uh, and, and, and keep everything in one place. Uh, but, but decentralization, I think, really gives us more ownership and, and I think we'll be better prepared over time. And, and so imagine if you never had access to the Internet and you're thrown into the Internet today, uh, it, it would feel so overwhelming. But when you've had time to learn the World Wide Web and learn Facebook or MySpace and then Facebook and then Instagram. And and, and it, it begins to logically make more sense as, as we get reps. So just like any other, you know, habit we develop, we, uh, we, we have, you know, processes that we personally uh, use to, 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 you know, to, to integrate them into our lives. And I think just as Dave was, was suggesting is, is so much of what, what I think we've got to, we have to develop is, is healthy practices with that. And we have to, as, as leaders, uh, in ministry leaders, it's, it's a responsibility to, to how do we, how do we guide people to, to have a healthy relationship with technology? Because what we've often done is create a fear of technology and, and we've demonized technology. But, I, but I think as we approach technology differently to, to, to acknowledge the, the downsides of technology, the addiction habits of technology, the pornography, you know, engagement increase that's happened with technology, that that's, that is a reality. Uh, but, but I think simultaneously there's a possibility and there's, there can be healthy relationships, but we have to create healthy structures um, so that, that we can have a healthy relationship with these new technologies. How this might look in practice, Dave, because at the moment we use apps. And uh, from what I understand in my limited tech abilities, uh, these could evolve to dApps or decentralized apps. And we might wonder how those might work in practice, because is it possible that you might even have your own sort of closed community that's protected from a lot of the things that are impacting from outside? How does a a DAP look different to an app? And uh, how does that sort of look in practice as we move forward? 
Yeah, I th- that's a, for somebody who says they don't know a lot about technology, Neil, you're doing a fantastic <laughs> job. I think you're, you're much better at it than you give yourself credit for. Look, for, for me, like anything, whether it's, it's brand new technology or the technology that's currently here, it's about our mindset and how we leverage it. And it's about our mindset and how we use it. You know, you can take a pair of scissors and you can use those scissors to uh, cut up some material and make a beautiful a piece of clothing or you can you know you can take those scissors and, and make something for your kids to hang up on their their wall or you can take those scissors and and you know stab somebody with them it's all a tool this whole thing is a tool and how we leverage that tool is what makes it um what makes it important and valuable and when it comes to online things when it comes to you know decentralized or centralized opportunities uh through data through through apps through online our approach to it has to constantly be how can we leverage this tool to reach more people so that we can change more lives? How can we leverage this tool to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature? That's what it is from, from my point of view. That's, that's my area of passion. And I would love to see more churches trying to figure out how can we take a decentralized app and create a discipleship community around that? How can we leverage that practically to build a kids program or a student's program that's going to connect with more and more people? You know, I know of churches in Brisbane for example, that have installed their own Minecraft server in the church in order to bring in high school students who are playing this popular online game into their ecosystem so that they can start sharing and connecting with them about the gospel. It's all starting with this game, Minecraft, but it's leading to them having gospel conversations. And that's an innovation. That's an innovative church. That's an innovative way of thinking. Too often what we do is we go in with a black and white mentality that says this item, this technology is either good or it's bad. I want to encourage you to say it might be neither of those two things, but how we leverage it is determines whether or not it's it's good or bad. You know, I remember when I first started as an online pastor in 2008, Neil, my the lead pastor who I was reporting to said to me, essentially, Dave, we want you to set up uh, a church uh, a church campus right next door to a porn store. That's what online technology was. And I remember thinking at the time, He's so right. He's, he's, he's spot on with that analogy. But where does light shine brightest? It shines brightest in the darkness. We need to be in those spaces, having those conversations, because the reality is, and we learned this during uh, COVID especially, people have questions more than ever about faith, about Jesus, about God, about the Bible, about church, but they're not asking those questions inside church buildings anymore. They're asking them online, and we need to be there in those spaces as church leaders to answer those questions. Unfortunately, too many churches are answering questions that nobody are, is asking. We need to start getting online and answering the questions that people are actually asking. Nils, darkness and light. Uh, We're talking about how churches, uh, Christians who even feel a sense of inspiration, revelation from God to really extend their own mission into this area. But uh, there is uh, no doubt uh, when we're talking about decentralization uh, that darkness is preparing to proliferate all the more too in this new space online. And uh, we can't be afraid to, uh, I love it, as you say, Dave, uh, setting up the church right next to the porn store, uh, a really powerful way of illustrating where the differences are there. But Nils, uh, darkness is increasing. If you don't take 
the opportunities that you have when you want to bring light into that darkness, uh, you might as well just uh, close up shop. What are your thoughts here? You know, it, it takes me back to 1999. Um, and in 1999, I was 19 years old and I was a youth minister uh, at a, for a small church uh, in, in Texas. And I remember my first youth group, a seventh grade girl asked me what my aim was. And, and I said, my aim is to build a youth ministry that's going to reach every teenager in Baytown, Texas this summer. And, and she said, no, what's your aim? And, and I said, I just told you. She said, no, what's your AOL Instant Messenger? And she, you know, she introduced me that day to AOL Instant Messenger. You know, that was social media in 1999. Uh, I barely knew what the World Wide Web was then. And so she said, go on there. And that's where all my friends are. And, um, and this is my handle. I didn't know what a handle was, you know, that's language we've developed over time. And, uh, and she might've not used the term handle, but, um, and, and so I set it up and, uh, and that night I chatted with, you know, her and the other youth that was, you know, there at our Wednesday night and, and they introduced me to their friends. Uh, the next week we went from two kids uh, that that week to 14 the next week from digital relationships that were being formed that led to our physical relationships and the reality is i didn't have a digital strategy i didn't know if it was good or bad i just went to where the teenager that i was supposed to reach said that her and her friends were hanging out at Uh, and that's where my digital ministry began and and i think for us I, i think if we can just approach you know these technologies and I love hearing those stories. My kids are on Roblox, uh, you know, they're at that age. Um, but what does that look like with Minecraft or, or, or where are people or TikTok or, or wherever people are hanging out? Where can we go and bring light into the darkness? And sometimes it's not even darkness. I, I think sometimes we perceive all of the internet to be darkness and where, but how can we even be present? And uh, there, there's just so many opportunities here. And, and I think early on, I, you know, I think we want to have a plan and we want to make sure it's all safe. Uh, but sometimes we just need to show up uh, to where people are telling us that there are and, and then begin to, to understand it and figure out how it is that God will use us in those spaces uh, or, or how God, you know, wants, wants to use these spaces to, to develop us and grow us. I think there's so many opportunities around evangelism and discipleship and fellowship uh, that all of these new technologies provide to us today. Let's take another call. Pete is in Victoria. Hi, Pete. Welcome. Oh, good day, Neil. Yeah, interested in your conversation. Just um, your guests there, um, they've obviously got a financial interest in this subject, but what happened in uh, Canada and Ottawa, the truck blockade, and then uh, those people were treated, their funds were seized, and they, they weren't able to access their, like, digital currency, what you're talking about, their funds, they couldn't live from day to day because the government didn't like what they did with that blockade. Could the guests talk on that? You're talking about a authoritarianism and authoritarianism, Big Brother, knows how to use this technology perhaps better than the rest of us. Nils, into this space here around what Pete is suggesting of these sorts of things that we're seeing that are reported in our mainstream media, uh, what are your thoughts for Pete? Yeah, you know, I and I don't know the 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 details maybe around the government seizing cryptocurrency. What what I understood uh, and what I what I'm seeing a lot in in the Ukraine right now is that uh, because fiat currency uh, and regular you know government currencies are so controllable uh, that that that's where a lot of the money that that's being you know given to the truck drivers or into the Ukraine is Bitcoin uh, in particular or other cryptocurrencies because. 
of the the basically the privacy associated with it and the, and the personal control that peer to peer aspect, and, and so I think it's part of the advantages again as, as I see it. Uh, to, uh, you know, really limits the control of governments, it limits the control of centralized organizations uh, to to interact. And it doesn't mean that governments, you know, won't continue to exist, but it but it does uh, limit uh, the power. And I think we see a lot of ministries that that, you know, uh, wh- whether their voice is controlled, their property is controlled, their their resources are controlled. Uh, I, I think moving to a, a decentralized structure is going to create a lot of um, you know, freedoms, uh, I believe, for, for the faith community. Pete in Victoria, thank you so much for your call. And time running short, I do want to ask you about the imminent Leadership Summit. Both of you will be speakers there at the summit. It's on the 14th of July at the Wesley Conference Centre, 220 Pitt Street in Sydney. And for listeners right now, you can book uh, a place there. You can register to be there at the summit face-to-face in person at mediaarts.org.au. So forward slash imminent leadership summit. Uh, You are just two of the speakers. Uh, These are the sorts of things you'll both be talking about. Dave, what's your topic for the summit? Yeah, I'm going to be speaking, Neil, specifically to uh, Australian church leaders and and. From a practical point of view, you know, we're already knee deep into this uh, technology and a lot of us as church leaders uh, don't know exactly how we should be doing. Maybe we're lost. Maybe we think there's too many platforms. Like I can't even get Twitter right. Why would I even be thinking about going to Instagram or TikTok or YouTube yet? So uh, one, one of the things I'm going to be talking about specifically is um, how to leverage practically uh, the technology that's available for us to grow our church community. And then second, I'm going to be talking about ways that we can leverage online technology, as I said earlier, to reach the people who live within driving distance of your church building and so that you can stream services, for example, to create a window into your church, but also to create a doorway into community. A lot of people think, Neil, I don't know if you've heard this, but a lot of people think that when it comes to online church, every online pastor in the world wants them to, wants online to replace offline. Yet I've never said that. I've never known an online pastor who has ever said that. I have no doubt. Nils and I haven't talked about it, but I bet he would never say that. But we can leverage these online technologies to enhance what's happening in our on-site church. And so I'm going to be providing some really practical, clear steps to help church leaders navigate that and put things in place today that will help them reach the people who live within driving distance of their church building, no matter what the context. I think we usually refer to the model as a hybrid model where you've got church (laughs) meeting face-to-face in person and you've got the online presence of your church into living rooms or on mobile devices everywhere. Nils, uh, the possibilities, uh, just uh, running out of time now, but being excited about the future, the possibilities of what can happen if you really embrace what is coming with Web3. What are your encouragement uh, words for listeners right now who are saying, wow, we need to embrace this? You know the, the the two stories that come to mind from my history in, in online ministry is that first story uh, back in 1999 
uh, in that summer, uh, we, we started with two youth in our youth group. And by the end of the summer, we were averaging about 50 youth in our youth group. And, and I saw 40 you know, students make a decision to, to accept Christ that summer. And the majority of those relationships were forged on social media. And I, and I think, uh, just, I, I think that when we lean in to new opportunities, uh, we, we can often see incredible fruits. Um, and, and I saw the same thing back in about 12 years ago when, when Dave and I were both pioneering, uh, online church and we, we launched a church, um, we bought the church, the domain onlinechurch.com because nobody else was interested in that 12 years ago. Um, and, and we saw we, we were averaging about 12,000 you know, people a week from 120 different countries around the world at our online church. But but like Dave was saying, our goal was not to just do church online, uh, but, but I think we just saw, uh, you know, thousands of people come to Christ uh, from all over the world uh, without a clue. We leaned on this new website called facebook.com uh, thinking maybe there would be something uh, to to this this new social media thing. And, and I think today we, we have new possibilities again uh, like we haven't seen before. And I don't know uh, what that's going to be. I don't know what the new AOL Instant Messenger, the new facebook.com is going to be. Uh, but I do believe that we are in a pivotal moment uh, that, that brings incredible opportunity for those that lean in. Well, the Imminent Leadership Summit is on in Sydney next week on the 14th of July. The way you can register to be in that summit, mediaarts.org.au. And interesting, being a tech summit, it's not going to be live streamed. There may be an opportunity. Of course, it'll be recorded and it'll be used later on and an opportunity will be there. But I think the organisers want a lot of people there in person. They're in Sydney. And uh, I know that there'll be a lot of people thinking, uh, listening to our conversation now, thinking, I've got to get to Sydney and be a part of this. So it is a one-day summit. It's on innovation, digital, brand and engagement. It's in the heart of Sydney, July 14th, the Wesley Conference Centre, 220 Pitt Street. The way you connect with that is through mediaarts.org.au forward slash imminent leadership summit. To mention to Nils Smith, chief strategist in social media and innovation for Dunham and Company. He's the founder of Amplify Social Media, the author of The Social Media Guide and Crypto for Good. And Dave Adamson is the author of Meta Church, how to use digital ministry to reach people and make disciples. Uh, To Nils, uh, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Such a privilege. And Dave, thank you for taking time to talk to our listeners today on 2020. Cheers, mate. Great to, great to be on today. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.